0: Welcome to another episode of Two Age Sojourner. Hope your sojourn's going well this week so far, and uh, thanks for joining us as um, we talk a little bit more about theology. I'm again with Nick Cleveley. More to come.
1: Nick, what's going on? Hey, not much, bro. Not much.
0: How's going on your side? Good, man. Uh, how has uh, your preaching been lately? Are you doing? Are you doing uh, conclusions to your sermons?
1: <laughs> yeah, sometimes you know when you're in a series, you don't really need conclusions. You only need a conclusion in the last sermon in the series. <laughs> yeah, little
0: little in-house <laughs> joke. Uh, I actually got Nick to uh, an X twenty nine conference, and he just like decided to end his sermon. <laughs> He was it's one of the keynotes, and he just basically said, all right, I'm done. All right, let's, let's pray. <laughs> it was the most Fresh epic, most epic mm. ending I've ever heard. I've usually, yeah, I don't know. It's the thing that I always dream about doing and have never got the guts to follow <laughs> through with. So it was awesome to just be in the room with you then. Uh, what are you yeah. preaching on at the moment?
1: So um, I'm preaching through Romans,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, in particular, Romans 15. Cool. And what's going on yeah. in Romans 15? Yeah, so, I mean, we're talking theology. So, I was thinking, uh, directly in line with your question, talking about what I've been preaching on lately, and that's um, missiology. Mm, um, that's good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Romans 15, verse 13, is considered the end of the doctrinal section of the book of Romans. And then we get into the personal stuff from verse 14 onwards. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was, I thought it would be pretty anticlimactic we've been going through romans for six years oh my over goodness. 200 sermons they and I do thought, memes about people oh no. like you <laughs> and i'm one of the bad guys Oh like, my god! Uh, I, cool. I can't help myself but yet but it,
0: um, it might be worth saying that uh you know that i know everyone that i know that is from your church absolutely loves it so yeah. you know whatever break the mold when you need to you know what i mean yeah for sure
1: yeah Yeah, so from verse uh, 14 onwards, you know, I thought, oh no, you know, I'm going to be like dragging myself through this last portion of Romans, and it's been super exciting. Um, It's basically been a mini uh, theology of ministry and missions, really, Uh, looking at Paul as an apostle, Paul as a church planter, and in particular, Paul as a pioneer missionary and a missionary to unreached people groups. So that's what I've really been focusing on lately. Okay, awesome, and
0: uh, and you're also preaching. You preach twice every Sunday, so you've got. What, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a real, I'm a real, I'm a
1: real pastor. I preach twice every
0: Sunday. <laughs> yeah, but a real pastor preaches, preaches uh, all the way to the conclusion, <laughs> and lands the plane. <laughs> you know that that's also important for a real pastor to do. <laughs> so, right when are you preaching in the evening? Yeah, so the life of Solomon in the evening. Life of Solomon. Dude, that's like a seeker sensitive message thing.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we did the life of David, which is basically 1 and 2 Samuel, but then it doesn't end in a very nice way, and it's not very convenient. David doesn't die at the end. So, so you have to go into 1 Kings, and you're like, okay, well, I started 1 Kings, so I might as well continue a little bit, find a good stopping point, and so you buy it for bigger piece, and it's got to be the life of Solomon. And um, so the whole series is basically... Dare to be Daniel, or um... uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, money, sex, and power—don't do it. <laughs> good, good moralistic preaching.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So, um, anything in the Book of Romans? What
1: has been the the most challenging point for you in preaching through Romans? Um, the most challenging point. Oh, that's that's an interesting question. I suppose a lot of people would think the most challenging chapter would be Romans chapter nine. Yeah. And uh, in a New yeah. Zealand context, where you don't have a lot of Reformed theology. You've got the Reformed Church, and you've got some Grace Presbyterians. Reformed Baptists are a bit of a rare breed. But the majority of evangelicals have be been non-Reformed, more mm-hmm. Arminian. Yeah. Um, so most people think, oh, Reformed, uh, Romans 9 would be the, the tough chapter. But I th- the one I tremble at was actually Romans 11. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and the question with regards to what is God's plan for Israel. Right, you'll know that uh, New Zealand is very fundamentalist and dispensational. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, just standing up and saying God has a plan for Israel, but it's got nothing to do with what the dispensationalists say. Yeah. Um, I suppose that that was that's that's where I thought maybe I would split my church and lose a few people. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and there's a lot of um, nuance even within the Reformed approach to Israel, right? Where did you land on that? Yes. So, I mean, you've got the traditional view. Uh, Ian Murray's book, The Puritan Hope, he talks about um, how the Puritans believed that there would be a mass conversion of the Jews um, in a post-millennial scheme that would result in a huge revival and Jesus would then come back to the earth. Um, Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons why Martin Luther was so antagonistic towards the Jews, because they weren't playing ball. They weren't getting converted so that Jesus could come again. And so he got pretty angry with them mm-hmm. and basically decided they were the Antichrist. Mm. Um, and then, so that, that there were a lot of people who had that sort of view. Robert Murray McShane went to Israel trying to spark off that revival yeah. um, and the return of the Jews. I found myself landing more in the Dutch school. Along with uh, William Hendrickson and other people like O. Palmer Robertson, Sam Storms, okay. that say yes, God has a plan for the Jews, but it is, it is a plan for the remnant from national Israel. It's not a reinstitution of a geopolitical nation. No, totally, yeah, yeah. So, and so, what in terms of the remnant is that a revival? Basically, you've got two views. The one view says no, and the other view, which is probably mine, says the text doesn't say. Yeah. There could be thousands coming in in the last day. Um, text doesn't really reveal that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I think that's a safe approach. I mean, it really doesn't, at the end of the day, tell us. And, and you know, where people want to get more detail um, on Israel, they usually go to prophetic texts that aren't really dealing with that at all. And um, they miss the prophetic idiom that's speaking about Christ and all that yeah, he's done. And, you know, and so it, it ends up being... You know, even when people want to sort of move it into a reformed um, uh, sort of framework, they end up turning it into some sort of functional Zionism anyway. And uh, we Hmm. need to be careful of that. I think one of the major uh, – Israel needs to be focused on, but it needs to be focused on as an object lesson historically, redemptively. Um, It needs to be a great big lesson that we are all in Adam and we need the true Israel. And, yeah. uh, you know, this is why we need to focus on Israel. God put Israel in the Bible, um, and and certainly that's important, but not in any way to suggest that there's anything beyond uh, that which culminates in the work of Christ in the church. Do mm. agree with that? Totally, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, to- talking about Israel, I know there's a big, big thing, and um, I know a lot of people... You know, sometimes people have been wrestling with this for a long time and have started, you know, via John MacArthur or whatever, they've started getting into Calvinism or uh, just started feeling challenged by Reformed theology at some level. Mm -hmm. Um, Others have perhaps even been in the Reformed church. You know, I actually actually, uh, heard for the first time, I mean, I believe this happens, but I, I never actually heard someone say this before. There was a very, very conservative church, Reformed church, and uh, one of the guys came out of that church and, you know, a few problems going on there, but eventually uh, joined joined uh, with us. And, um, uh, you know, we started getting onto covenant theology, you know, as Reformed Baptists, we're still very covenantal, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's almost like his eyes were open to covenant theology for the first time. Though he had been in some, you know, in a very covenantal denomination, it just shows how the groundswell of the movement of dispensationalism and its folk theology has really started to affect. You know, if if a church is not tight on its (laughs) theology, that folk theology will creep in and take over. Yeah. And, um, And yeah, it's almost like people need to join the dots for the first time. What would you say has been the most helpful resource for you? Uh, in terms of just thinking through Israel in general, and, and maybe you're thinking in terms of the system of covenant theology, maybe you're thinking
1: something else. What, what, you, what um, If I could just recommend one book in yeah. particular, apart from uh, you know the theological lenses and stuff, uh, it, O Palmer Robertson, "The Israel of God," okay, um, is a one-stop resource where yep. every issue related to Israel is considered and answered mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from a consistent theological point of view, okay. Very, very good. Very helpful. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, Hendrickson, More Than Conquerors, was huge for me. Um,
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: Just in terms of showing another way that's so very resonant. You know, even before you've got your covenant theology down, uh, if someone just wants to pick up the book of Revelation and a commentary and try and figure out what's going on there. uh, Yes. Hendrickson is great because he just, you know, he uses all those types and shadows and symbols and imagery and, you know, you'd almost have to be a little bit numb in the heart not to be overwhelmed by the way that that everything John is saying in, in the Book of Revelation uh, is is so very very resonant with the Scripture and how it's all pointing forward to to something that's already happened in the church. It's it's quite amazing. I remember reading that, and oh man, it was amazing! It was amazing. Yeah. You also, right? You had a Hendrickson experience.
1: Oh, definitely. If I read Hendrickson. Hendrickson through the first time, and the first time I ever read him, I was like, "What is this guy talking about? He's sucking the side of his thumb." Yeah. And then you know, do a little bit more reading, read a bit more of Poitras, get your head around hermeneutics a bit, bit more. Come mm. back to Hendrickson the second time, and I'm like, "Wow,
0: yeah, I exactly." Exactly. He just cracked. knew what was
1: going on. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It
0: was like he actually did a full circle. Didn't he? Yeah. He had mastered like. Languages. He, could,
1: he could read and write in 20 languages. He learned Spanish at the age of 75. I and mean, he was just a machine.
0: So he had the, he had the language thing down. You could say that. Uh, but he also yeah. had the... I mean, he, he's probably the most... Um, I mean, I think of all the reformed authors, no one's really put out a... Uh, full New Testament exegetical commentary the way that he has. I know he didn't get right through the whole New New yeah. Testament, but I mean, wow. You know, he's got to be one yeah, of the guys. Yeah, very, very
1: pastoral, very useful. He was, a, he was a pastor, so his commentaries are very uh, yeah. very helpful for pastors and preachers. So I, I use them a lot yeah. in the
0: Gospels, I remember that. Uh, but anyways, Hendrickson's good. Hookham is good. The, the, I mean, maybe one recommendation for, for someone, you know, they might be intimidated by all of those titles. They, they're quite big books. Is there any easy, quick read? Uh, on Revelation or Israel? Uh, well, I suppose is the intersect. Anything that you can think that might help
1: to just straighten that out? Um, I mean, there's probably a couple of books I would recommend. Um, I found uh, Dennis E. Johnson's The Triumph of the oh, Lamb. Oh,
0: yeah, that was great. His commentary totally.
1: on Revelation is incredibly usable. Yes. It's very simple. Vern um, Poitras, I think it's called The Returning King. Yeah. Um, that's actually free online. Also incredibly helpful. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, um, and Sam Storm's Kingdom Come. Sam Storm's. That, that's, a, that's a big volume. Yeah, it is. Uh, that's really good. But it and is, just it coming is. back to the Israel thing and how it intersects with Revelation, one yeah. thing that really helped me early on was uh, in the book of Revelation, you know, John heard the lion of the tribe of Judah, but then he saw a lamb slain. He heard 144,000, and then he saw a great multitude. Mm. He heard a, the bride of Christ, but then he saw the new Jerusalem. Ah. And so just that that duality between what, what, you know, the same reality being described in terms of what he heard and saw. Mm. And so the 144,000 who are always used by the dispensationalists to talk about male Jewish, Jewish evangelists, mm. but following that uh, structure of hearing and seeing, um, it's just another way of talking about the great multitude from many nations.
0: Oh, man, so good. Yeah, and you got the whole recapitulation, progressive parallel. Uh, it's amazing. There's so much to think about. You know, Re- uh, Revelation was actually the starting point for my whole thing. It's just, uh, yeah, it was it was big. Um, and, you know, one more book, just before we wrap up. Um, I just can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's by Sam Waldron and uh, The End Times Made Simple. Is that right? Okay, I
1: haven't read that one. All, uh, the only thing I've read is his response to John MacArthur.
0: Right, okay. Well, I suppose it would be uh, – it, It's the nice thing about it is it's more positive. It's really just dealing with um, uh, a two-age um, – overview of theology, really. Um, uh, You know, it's a great book. It's technically supposed to be dealing with amillennialism, but um, in the process, it it brings out a great covenantal overview, uh, a a very strong grasp of the two ages, definitely relevant for a two-age sojourner, so go check out uh, (laughs) End Times Made Easy or Simple. The problem is, it's not that simple. It's not that easy. It's quite a big book, Um, but it's probably one of the easiest, and so definitely worth uh, putting into your library if you did want to look for a good book on that. Um, Mm. But hey, we'll talk more about uh, theology and anything related to this topic. Uh, I'm sure it'll come up again and again. Uh, Thanks for joining us on another episode of Two Age Sojourner.